Welcome to the Seattle Footy Podcast. I am Nelson Lau along with my co-host Monica Beach. Monica, you cannot take me anywhere. I swear to God. <laughs> Tell me more. Time we go out together, we I always tend to spill something. I don't know why. <laughs> it was ridiculous. We were at a we were at the what would you call it? Pre-soft opening of Nana, Nana's Green Tea out in downtown Seattle and I ended up spilling my red bean latte drink like all over the table it's I think this is like the third or fourth time this has happened when I'm with you I don't I don't get it I don't get it it, it happens a lot um I you know I'm not counting but I guess I didn't realize that you don't do that when you're with anybody else I don't I, I don't I don't know anyway welcome to our show guys this is our 11th episode let's start it off Monica let's let's recap the week how was your Thanksgiving Thanksgiving was fantastic. Uh, as I was telling folks last week, uh, my brother hosted. He did a great job. He and his wife did a great job. Uh, we had a great gathering. And I actually ended up making another turkey because we didn't make one because he did. But I ended up making one this weekend. And it was delicious. They were all delicious. I'm full of turkey, full of carbs. And I'm in the middle of long weekend-itis. Yes, I'm, I'm still eating through my leftover turkeys. I ended up cooking a turkey for Thanksgiving, and then I ended up doing a turkey for Friendsgiving on Friday. I think next time I'm just going to recommend for Friendsgiving, don't do a turkey. Because if everybody eats turkey on Thanksgiving, if you do it like a Friendsgiving on Friday or on Saturday, do like a roast or ham or something or something different. Maybe yeah. suggest noodles or something. I don't know. I don't know whatever, whatever it is. But I've like, been thinking I'm, about making like a like a duck for Thanksgiving. Yeah. I think next year I want to try a turducken. I hear it's a lot of work, but I've never done it before. And I think it'd be a fun challenge to check out, to try out. Hmm. That being said, we got to try out Nana's green tea and we had a soft, we got to go and attend the pre-soft opening on Saturday morning. I don't know about you, Monica, but I was, I am, I got excited for this event, for this <laughs> restaurant because they have, the most beautiful parfaits and desserts. They also serve savory dishes too that were really good. I don't know about you, but when I left, I was like, man, I, I, I kind of want to go back next week and try, try out the other stuff. Oh, totally. Me too. Um, I've been stalking the Instagram page of the location in Vancouver for quite a while because I'd never been there. Mm -hmm. And it's not just that the desserts are beautiful. It's the flavors as well. The flavors are so well developed. I mean, it's not like, you know, all you taste is like ice milk. That's not what you're tasting. You're tasting like really deep azuki beans, uh, matcha, black sesame. And I had no idea that they serve savory dishes as well. Yeah, the savory dishes. I personally got the tuna avocado don. It was very delicious. I believe you and your brother's girlfriend, Kayla, Got the salmon cutlet rice plate and the chicken katsu curry. And mm -hmm. those looked really, really good. Those were really good. I was surprised um, that they had fried them so well. They were nice and crispy. And both meats were really juicy inside. And they held up really well with the sauces. Because like the salmon had this really nice tartar sauce, like house-made tartar sauce on it. And of course, the chicken katsu had a curry. So, you know, that tends to eat away at the crispness, but um, held up really, really well. Um, I noticed uh, people really loved your tuna avocado down and sort of took it and ran away with it. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Serendipity Seattle, our friend uh, that we met at Breakfast Club. And she was with us in that whole group. And she literally loved that tuna bowl and as, as did I. And I thought it was really beautiful. It's, it's, it's just so well done. The presentation and everything. Our friend, Life of Jess, Jesslyn, uh, shout out to her. She actually went to the 1 p.m. soft opening and she got the matcha muffin that we didn't get. And oh, no. when she cut into the muffin, inside is red bean. So like mm. the attention to detail is just phenomenal. Just want to let everybody know the grand opening is this Thursday, November 29th. If you can't wait, on their website, there is a soft opening period from November 26th to 28th, and it's by reservation only. So if you go to Nana's Green, Se Green Tea Seattle Instagram page, and the most 
the two most recent posts have details of where you can sign up for the soft opening reservations. And I think openings are closing up pretty soon for those soft opening spots. Yeah, uh, like you, Nelson, I'm pretty sure I'm going to try to go between Monday and Wednesday because I don't know if I can make it till their grand opening. Okay. I'm going to be on vacation out of town next week. So I'm going to try to come back, kind of let the grand opening kind of die down and then probably go on the weekday and go back because I really want to try those other matcha drinks. Mm -hmm. There's there's so many other things that I want to try as well. It's it's a very big, it's a pretty big menu. I mean, there's a lot of choices to choose from. I know my brother was looking at the menu today because I think he's going to go next week. And mm-hmm. he said, well, I'm just going to walk in and order one of everything because that's something that he does. I've seen him do it many, many times. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm just like, no, no, no. The menu's big. Please don't do that. Um, the last time I saw him do this was at Beanfish Taiyaki at the food truck. Yeah. He ordered one of everything. And they've got like 18 different Taiyaki. Oh, goodness. No. First of all, that's a lot. That's a lot to spend on Taiyaki. <laughs> Second, I'm at that stage in life where it's like I can't eat that much and f- not feel bad about myself. <laughs> so, yeah, so check it out. Not as green tea. I loved it. I'm so glad I got to go to the pre-soft opening. I had so much fun and I took so many good pictures. Let's move on to the next thing. Monica, you and I got salsa sent to our homes to try out, and they're called Salsa de Rosa from Redmond, Washington. Yep, we did. And we got to try out three different flavors, medium, mean green, and hot. Yes. What did you think about them? What I love about these salsas is that just how they're cut and their texture, because I don't like salsas that seem more like pico de gallo, where they're like huge chunks of veggies in them. Mm-hmm. I like ones that sort of have a texture that's um, that's got a little heaviness to it, but still is kind of more like more like a sauce, I guess, than just like a vegetable salad. Did you use any of the salsa to cook with or anything like that? Yeah, I did. I use, they, they did send us some recipes, which I'm still looking at, but uh, just so happens that when they sent it over, I had some steak, leftover steak lying around. And so I did like steak and eggs uh, with the salsa. And then um, I rolled some of them up in flour tortillas. And I just, I just love all those flavors together. And they went really well. Yeah, I tell you what, I just went classic and just bought a bag of tortilla chips and shared it with my friends. And we ate it during Friendsgiving while we were getting while we were waiting for uh, other friends to arrive for to start to start the meal in. Man, they were I mean, all of us were just eating up the medium salsa, with <laughs> the tortilla chips. It was we killed it. I mean, we we didn't even it did not last. It probably it probably lasted for like fifteen minutes and it was all gone. I mean, that's I I wow. thought it was I thought it was pretty good. The medium salsa is good. It has a little bit of kick to it, and the mm-hmm. hot is is spicy, but it's not spicy to the point where your eyes are crying type of thing. There's like a nice little amount of heatness to it for me. Yeah, I agree with that, that it's nice when you get something spicy that's not overly hot and burns. And I know sometimes people who are sensitive to spice are afraid, you know, when they hear hot. And what I always say is, you know, give it a try. You never know. Hot means Mm -hmm. different things to different people in different cultures and different cuisine. So you never really know. You might really like it. Yeah, I ate it with I ate the hot salsa de rosa salsa with it's called the El Hombre, by the way. And I I ate it with the with eggs and just kind of did like a huevos rancheros type of thing yeah and it was it was really delicious just to want let people know monica you can find salsa de rosa salsa at your local grocery stores mm-hmm. so safe i was looking on their site you can find it on safeway pcc whole foods metropolitan market new seasons market and a lot of other locations and in addition to that you can also order online at salsa de mm-hmm. They're a company out of Redmond, Washington. So they mm-hmm. are very local. They make their salsa daily. I'm a fan. I mean, I, I just just getting the samples from them and eating that, I was like, I'm a fan. So once I finish up what I got left, I think I'm going to go into the stores and purchase them. Totally. Um, I'm a fan too. And what's funny is when it got to my house, I kept them chilled for a while before I you know, tried to do something with them. And my family was under strict orders not to try them until I did my thing. And my husband was really irritated with me because he's just like, salsa, salsa, salsa. <laughs> and it was a brand that he was really familiar with. And actually, when folks see the packaging, um, they'll probably recognize it from their supermarkets as well because it has a really distinctive packaging to it. 
they they pretty they very much do. Yes. Well, let's head on to the upcoming events for this week. There's not too many. We just got two of them. And Monica, you want to start with this? Yours? For sure. Uh, the first event we're going to talk about today is Central District Ice Cream and their month of fan favorites. That's going to run from December 1st to December 31st. Central District Ice Cream is known for their innovative rotating flavors and creative collaborations with other businesses every single month. Since opening in 2016, only one flavor has been repeated. One of my favorites, Ube Cheesecake, a fan favorite collaboration with Hood Famous Bake Shop. But for the whole month of December, Central District Ice Cream is going to be bringing back flavors like Ube Cheesecake, East Mode Roasted Marshmallow, and Fruity Pebbles. The other flavors haven't been revealed yet, and voting has just been completed by Facebook polls, so we'll probably be hearing more this week. Nelson, do you have any favorite flavors from Central District Ice Cream? So you're telling me Ube Cheesecake is going to be in the wintertime, because normally the Ube is usually in the summer. I usually got I think I get it in either June and July. Is it back in December? It's back in December, and this is going to be the third time they run it. Yeah, it's the third time, and it's deserving to run it again because it, that it is. is probably my favorite CD ice cream flavor is that Ube. I really like that one. I agree. They've had so many unique flavors over the last couple of years, but Ube Cheesecake just brings it home for me. I think it's that it's like the actual cheesecake is in the ice cream, like the crust, like everything. Yeah. I just remember as a kid when my parents used to take me to Baskin and Robbins, I used to love the strawberry cheesecake because they had like chunks of cheesecake into it. Yeah. When I tasted the Ube cheesecake flavor from Central District, I was just like, okay, this is, this is, this brings me back to childhood because these have actual cheesecake chunks in there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I got a beer festival for you. Monica, did we ever talk about this? Are you a beer drinker? <laughs> I think we've talked about it a couple times. Um, I, I've definitely drank a lot more beer in my, in my youth. Um, I still like beer, but I tend to gravitate towards lighter beer than the heavier beers. Okay. This is, for me, I, I love beer. And I, lo- I love microbrews and local craft beers. So mm-hmm. the Winter Beer Festival at Magnuson Park is this coming Friday and Saturday, November 30th and December 1st. The Winter Beer Festival benefits the Washington Brewers Guild. And you can purchase tickets on the stranger.boldtypetickets.com. So on the stranger. Mm-hmm. Tickets are either $35 or $40. And according to their Facebook event page, the beer lineup will include some of the season's best dark malty stouts, robust winter warmers, barrel-aged gems, and many other unique beers. And there will be more than 50 breweries at this event. Ooh, a lot of times, hot. that is that's a lot of breweries. Brewers. <laughs> I love these brews brewery festivals I, I usually go to the one in marymore park on mm-hmm. father's day weekend and i believe it's run by the same group so the the washington brewers guild they do a really good job and mm-hmm. they they give you fairly decent pours and i think there's also for those that aren't drinking there's also a designated driver um it's a cheaper cheaper ticket that, that mm-hmm. you can go in and just still hang out with your friends as well yeah and i think I think the last time I went to that Father's Day one that you're talking about was years and years ago. I think they used to hold that at St. Edwards Park over um, sort of in uh, Lake um, Kirkland or Lake Forest Park, sort of that area. Mm -hmm. And so I haven't been to it at Marymore, but if I'm going to drink beer, I actually prefer events like this because I get to taste a lot of different things and learn more about the flavors and what I like and what's hot. Now, guys, if you're not a fan of beer, but you're, significant other or your friends are i just want to also let you know that there's going to be a lot of food trucks there too as well uh i it just mentioned that there was going to be a wide wide array of food trucks so i don't know specifically which food trucks are going to be there though that's pretty much all we got for events it's, there's not that much especially around the holiday season i know most people are probably busy doing other things or they're also or they're just shopping in general so <laughs> yeah I thought it would be a good time to kind of do some AMA questions because we got some listener feedback questions in on our Instagram page. And there are people, there are some questions that people wanted to ask about us. So Monica, why don't you go ahead and go ahead and get us started? Yeah. So the first question today is from at spoonful of Eva and she wants to know whether or not we have day jobs and if so, how we balance that with our food adventures. So Nelson, how do we do that? Well, spoonful of Eva, that's a good question. Yes, 
I do have a day job. <laughs> <laughs> Food does not pay me for it does not pay me at this time to make a living out of it. <laughs> um, I know people that do. I mean, I, I would love to do that, but this is for me still an Uber hobby, and I I just enjoy it. Yeah, I, I work in Bellevue, and how do I balance my food adventures? The good thing about most of these food events and all these things that come up is they're on the weekdays. A lot of events aren't on the weekends. I know the the last recent one was on Saturday, but most of the events are at night after work. As soon as I'm done from work, I can head to the restaurant, meet my friends, go to like a Yelp Elite event that and most of them are going to be Monday through Thursday. And that's how I balance my my schedule food-wise. How about yeah. you? Well, um, I also have a day job. And I think um, a lot of other people that I've met who do this either have flexible schedules or work really early in the mornings and get like pretty much half a day off, you know. Um, so I tend to start work really early in the morning. Um, seven is often when I start. And, and it is a pretty... Um, decently complicated, complicated job. I mean, I work usually at least 10 hours, sometimes 11, 12, upwards of 16. Um, in terms of balance, I think that's exactly it. You know, if I'm going to work 16 hours at my day job, then obviously that has to come off somewhere. And so I just have to be really diligent about keeping track of my schedule, whether it's work or food events or family. Um, and I also have to make sure that I have adequate family time because that's another thing to balance where, you know, my family really feels it Well, when I'm like with Nelson all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, I, had a, I had a question about that. So you have a family. So how do you balance the food with family? Do you... Yeah. Do you bring them all the time or how, do, how does that work for you with you? So generally hard decisions have to be made. If, if you and I are doing some influencer stuff or stuff around the podcast, I mean, you already know, I tend to not bring them along, right. um, but I try to find food events that I can align both my food work with family. So, you know, maybe we'll spend an hour or two really focused on food and shooting, but the rest of the time, maybe enjoying some more uh, family activities at events. And so that's why I really like well-rounded events where yeah. they might have some games or entertainment or something nearby, like a museum or some other activity that we can all participate in. So it's not like 100% five hours straight of food. And, and so I really try hard to align all of that. And it helps that my son's older now. And, and so mm -hmm. he kind of likes to be left alone anyway. <laughs> yeah. But when he was younger, that was that was really hard um, to, to really be attentive to him um, while trying to carry on this super serious hobby that we have. Yeah, yeah, that's a good answer. <laughs> I have the second question comes from Mr. Bow Bow 88. And he asks, I'm hoping it's a he or she, what defines Pacific Northwest cuisine? And the follow-up question to that is, what good restaurants do I take someone to go for the Pacific Northwest-style cuisine? How about you start that off for us? Yeah. So for me, what defines Pacific Northwest cuisine are a couple of things. First, I lead with seafood. So I'm always thinking about salmon. I'm always thinking about Dungeness crab. I'm thinking about really locally sourced ingredients and in seafood that are super fresh, not coming from like other parts of the world that come from right here. And then on the other side, I'm thinking about really earthy things. Like I'm a lover of mushrooms and fresh ingredients that we can grow here and thinking like what's special about living here, like all the different kinds of apples that we have here in Washington and thinking about when I was in Hawaii, they just had like two different apples, red and green, um, not knowing that there were like 30 different varieties of apples. And so, yeah, fresh produce and seafood are the two things that I'm always looking for. And I'm just going to highlight one restaurant, but it's one of my favorite restaurants. And I don't go there often enough, but it's Dahlia Lounge, which mm, is Tom yes. Douglas's first restaurant, first mm -hmm. flagship that opened in 1989. And I just think that they've nailed it. I mean, there's some Asian fusion in there. There's seafood, there's Pacific Northwest, like locally sourced ingredients. They have this like fresh at the market type of feel to it. And so just one of my favorite places that I love to go for that experience. What about you, Nelson? Well, the easy answer is seafood, right? Because mm -hmm. we are Washington and so close to the water and all that stuff. And so seafood, when I was in, I, I believe in Los Angeles, 
I was at a restaurant. They were talking about the different specials and mm-hmm. they were talking about oysters. And it's just like, and we have oysters from Taylor Shellfish Farms, from Hama Hama <laughs> Oysters from Taylor Shellfish mm-hmm. Farms. And I'm just like, wait, I, I don't want to. I don't want to eat oysters from Washington. I'm from Washington already. <laughs> I'm just like I'm in Los Angeles or I'm in Las Vegas or I'm in yeah. Arizona. I don't I don't want to eat oysters from Washington. Right. <laughs> so but then I started to realize that, oh, it's because there's so many locally sourced ingredients that mm-hmm. are in our backyard, like like you yeah. mentioned. So seafood, salmon. I'll recommend another seafood restaurant, Walrus and Carpenter and Ballard. It's a Renee oh, yeah. Erickson, it's a Renee, Renee Erickson staple. The the place is just. It used to be the one of the hottest restaurants. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably like four years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. but it's just so consistent. There's other restaurants that have been popping up, but whenever I have friends in town or I have family in town, we just want to go out to a nice restaurant with good seafood mm-hmm. and fresh oysters and fresh seafood and fresh shellfish. I love taking them to Walrus and Carpenter. That's a great choice. And that's our top picks for Pacific Northwest cuisine. Looking forward to answering more of your questions in the future. Nelson, why don't you tell us a little bit about our interview today? Our interview this week is going to be with Chef Melissa Miranda. She is the chef of Musang Seattle. Last year in 2017, she was one of Seattle Met's Next Hot Chefs. And Melissa and Musang Seattle's next event is No Cookbooks Allowed, Volume 3. I can't believe they've already done two of those already. I know. And the th- right? And the theme is Filipino Kamayan with Marlene Miranda, who is Melissa's mom. Tickets can be purchased on eventbrite.com. Just to let you know, Monica, she told me about this during the interview. This is a two-day event. Normally, wow. it's just like a one-day pop-up. But mm-hmm. this is a two-day event honoring Melissa's mom. Melissa's mom's recipes that she mm-hmm. is featuring. So she's featuring those authentic Filipino recipes. Marlene Miranda is one of the driving forces behind Melissa's inspiration for Musang Seattle. According to the Facebook page, have you have you ever done a Kamayan dinner before? No, I haven't, but I know what it is. Okay. For those that don't, Kamayan is a Tagalog term meaning to eat in quotes, with hands. It's a special feast that is served family style over banana leaf mats for large gatherings and celebrations. You probably might have seen it before on your Facebook page or Instagram page, where there's these huge green banana leaves that are spread across this long table. And it's just portions of food all over the entire table. And you're mm-hmm. just eating with your hands. What kind of things do they have? They probably have like taron, which is the the type of Filipino egg, Filipino mm-hmm. egg rolls that are made mm-hmm. out of plantains, and they probably have lumpia, and mm-hmm. I've seen people with pork belly and other mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Anything else you've seen on there? I've seen, and you know, just so you know, like Filipinos in Hawaii are a little bit different than Filipinos who came to the States. I mean, there's a lot of the same core foods, but sometimes they're a little bit different in terms of what we call them, or the recipes are a little bit different. So definitely not just pork belly, but some, some sort of adobo, um, some sort of fresh fruit. Uh, typically, I think mangoes is what I is what we, yep. we have in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, so, some fresh elements, but really um, well seasoned, well developed flavors in those meats for sure. Like bind it all together. Yeah, and Melissa's a hot chef right now. She is doing pop ups everywhere, especially at like East Trading Company. She did one recently last week at Sia Dad which was that mm-hmm. dinner in a DJ. And I mean, this girl is on fire. I mean, <laughs> you, I mean, Monica, she is like hot right now. Totally. I just want to hear you sing some more Nelson. No, because I think I just, we just lost like a hundred listeners just for me singing. <laughs> so. All you got to do now is spill something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, let's go ahead and go on to the interview. Melissa Miranda, I, you, you're a huge fan. I'm a big mm-hmm. fan. Let's get into the interview. All right, guys, I'm with Melissa Miranda of Musang, the, according to Seattle Met, 2017, <laughs> one of the 2017's article, one of the hottest chefs in Seattle. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fanboying right now. <laughs> my friend Grace told me about you, and I'm like, oh, and then I started reading up, I was like, oh, she's, 
kind of a big deal. Oh, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I'm here. Uh, we just ate. Melissa cooked me up food. I'm very blessed and fortunate. And it was pleasure. so good. Hi, Melissa. What's going on? Hello, everyone. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell me, how did you get started as a chef? That's a good question. Um, I think if I was to really like dive back, um, my father was always kind of the one cooking in the house. Mm-hmm. And I was, so I was an only child and they put me to work and (laughs) I learned how to clean squid when I was like five years old. Um, and they would have me rolling lumpias. Um, but that kind of ingrained food culture and like cooking food, um, at an early age. But when I actually thought to like pursue this path that happened, gosh, probably eight years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I was like, okay, maybe I like cooking is something that I can like do. Um, and I had been, it was, I had graduated from the UW and was working at Nordstrom and was kind of like at a crossroads. And I was like, I'm going to move to Italy. Who cares? Um, and when I lived in Italy, I just kind of got reacclimated to what food looked like and being reminded of food growing up. Mm-hmm. with my family what part of italy was it i lived in florence, florence? yeah florence italy for um six years mm-hmm. um but when i got there um you know it's hard to get work as a foreigner but i was able to work like as a waitress um in an incredible little bar super high-end beautiful cocktail bar called mayday and they had incredible ingredients and it just reintroduced me to like what food could be yeah going back yeah Five-year-old, five-year-old cleaning squid. Yeah. Me at five-year-old, and I'm like throwing, I'm still throwing tantrums. So. Yeah. <laughs> you do that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, literally, like, the work ethic that my parents instilled in me, like, yeah. I was terrified of them. Yeah. Like, Filipino parents have, uh, like, hella high expectations. I have, I have, like, I have Asian friends and Filipino friends, so I can totally relate So you, you. know. Um, I was just talking to a friend of mine yesterday about how, like, I never had summers mm-hmm. because I'd be home, like, ironing clothes. <laughs> like, I'd be watching movies, sweating upstairs. I was, like, ironing clothes. But I think that it, like, my dad, since I was, you know, I was just... I was at home and he was just like, you need to learn these things. Like, mm-hmm. These are basic necessities. And I didn't really have an option. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you're that young, it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, come here. You, you're going to do this. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> so when you went to Florence, mm-hmm. like before you, you started going to school in Florence, like how much background do you know about like cooking Italian food and stuff like that? Did you start from scratch and then just went in yeah. and all of it from Florence? Or? I... I was green. Yeah. I was green. Like, can you swear on the podcast? Um, no. I can keep okay. it out. Okay. <laughs> then I'll, I'll do my best. This is one if thing you that do it, I always get in trouble with. If you do it, I'll, I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just censor it. <laughs> That's so okay. no, no worries. Um, it was slight, like segue. I was on this cooking competition on Bravo a couple years ago. Yeah. And I swore so much on it. My family was like, what the heck? <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so stressed out. It's very stressful. <laughs> I will be mindful. Um, cooking background, Italian food. I was only familiar with like Italian American, mm-hmm. you know, spaghetti and meatballs, yeah. chicken alfredo. Um, obviously, like you get introduced to more elevated stuff growing up, but when I moved I had traveled to Italy um in high school with my mom so that was like step one kind of gaining an understanding of what it was and then in college at the UW I did a semester at in Siena Mm -hmm. which was this incredible incredible town if you've ever been um and that just kind of really affirmed the similarities of Filipino culture Italian culture their approach to food um so when I decided to move I was like, oh, yeah. You know, and I'd cook growing up with my dad. You know, I worked in the front of house all throughout college. So I knew how restaurants worked. Mm-hmm. 
I kind of saw what the back pass did. I didn't realize actually um, the sweat and tears and all that stuff that goes into it. But when I started school, um, I went to this incredible culinary school called Apicius, um, who was one of the forefathers of Italian cuisine, was one of the first um, Italian cookbook writers. Yeah. Um, it was like through the uni- Florence University of the Arts and it just kind of came natural. Mm-hmm. Um, I had incredible professors and instructors that ended up being incredible mentors while I lived in Italy. Um, but I, I think it was like the first time that I felt like I was connected to what I was doing. And it was like an immediate like satisfaction of like, here's something and feeding it to someone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's it. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Were you like the only Filipino in that in that in that school in Florence, and just kind of? I mean, I, the beauty of that school is that it's an international. Okay. It's, it's an international hospitality school. So, I mean, I had even more exposure to different backgrounds in that class um, than even going to the UW. Like, two of my really good friends were from Turkey. Um, there is a, a student from Thailand, like a bunch of people from yeah. from the U.S. But like it was so multicultural and multi like racial that it was like it was beautiful because yeah. we were connecting even like language being an issue over food. Yeah. And it just shows like the importance of what food can look like. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. But if you're looking at the kitchen, definitely I was like. A being female, A being, or second being, or B being Filipina, mm-hmm. woman of color in a in a very, very old school kitchen brigade setup yeah. where it's mostly just Italian men. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a huge learning curve and lesson. Yeah. Mm, definitely instilled strength, to yeah. say the least. So after that, you moved to New York, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. How's it, what's it like cooking in New York? I mean, it's a different beast, for sure. <laughs> um, everyone says in Italy that, like, Italians don't work. But the reality is, like, the workload is actually really high. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd work split shifts in Italy. So you'd work, you know, 8 to 3, 5 to 10, mm-hmm. 6 days a week. Yeah. So you're setting yourself up for, like, what does the hustle look like? Do you know what I mean? Because yep. having moved back to Seattle, it's been a very interesting an eye-opening like ethic, not work ethic, but like approach to how how much you can work. Um, but when I got to New York, it was just like no sleep. Yeah, fifteen hours, sixteen like, hours. You're literally like on the grind. The on the time. grind the whole time. Yeah, just and <clears throat> you, yeah, you're just on. There's no, you know what I mean. Like, and when you talk about like chef life. Chef hustle, like mm-hmm. you wake up, you go to work, you party. Yeah. And then you go to bed and you do it again. Because yeah. the only way that you can maintain or release the stress is by like, after work, I'm going to go out with my coworkers. We're going to have a couple of drinks. Like part of it is the team building process, but part mm-hmm. of it is literally just like your brain is so exhausted that like yeah. that's the only thing you can do. So Anthony Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential is literally, yeah. it wasn't no. fictitious or exaggerated. It's... No, for sure. <laughs> For sure. And I mean, I, it's still super reflective on like me being in Seattle today. Yeah. Like an article just came out on Vice about um, being a line cook and mm-hmm. what that looks like and yeah. how that takes years off your life <laughs> <laughs> or just makes you stronger. But yeah. it's, it's, I mean, the things that you learn, mm-hmm. like mise en place. Yeah. Mise en place meaning all the things that you need in order to make your dish, yeah. setting up your line, like... That's one of the things that as a chef or as a cook you can take and like you can live your life that way. Like yeah. little things that I'll do on a regular basis. Yeah. I'm like, I need my music class. Have you ever worked have you ever read Work Clean before? Mm-mm. No. Work Clean is essentially they they talk about mise en place and mm. how you adapt it to the rest of your life. Yes. So keeping your workspace clean and yeah. having everything ready and Doing one task at a time, yep. sort of thing. They, 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 they. The whole book talks about using mise en place to like prepare yourself for life. I mean, it's pretty. 
It's yeah. a pretty, like, if you can get it down, it's definitely a good way to, yeah. to approach. But. So back to full circle. Yes. Because you went circle. to UW and yep. now you're back in Seattle. Yep. So tell, how did Musang get started? Oh, uh, yeah, Musang. Um, moving back to Seattle after being in New York, it was a decision based on thinking that I was going to open a restaurant. Um, but, of course, when you come back to a place you've been gone for eight years, mm -hmm. The landscape had completely changed. Um, the restaurant scene had completely changed. And here I was like homecoming, but being like, <laughs> I don't know anything. Like, I don't know anyone. Like, who am I to open up a restaurant? Like, whatever. Um, so it was definitely a humbling experience, yeah. to say the least. But um, I had done a pop-up in New York um, with Maharlika and Jeepney, two incredible Filipino restaurants. Um and that kind of presented me with this idea of like, well, you know, Seattle's doing pop-ups, but like, yeah, I'm going to try and do a pop-up too. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a way to get, you know, research and development in if that's what you want. It's a way to like meet people and just kind of get a community growing. Um, so I originally just started doing Italian pop-ups. Those were really successful. Um, took a break, started doing Italian Filipino mashup pop-ups. Those were really successful. And then there hit a moment where I was like, okay, it was December. Mm -hmm. And in Italy, there's this huge um, celebration called Feast of the Seven Fishes. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a, you know, during the holidays, and you cook seven types of fish different ways. And I was like, you know, Filipino food has this rap of just being like pork and brown and chicken and all the same stuff I was like wouldn't it be awesome to be able to just do a meal that was all fish yeah and like different dishes that people had never had before um and that was kind of the start of Musang and we didn't have a name yet but we were just like okay cool it was incredible feedback was awesome and then that's when I left for the Philippines for two months um during that time I traveled to Baguio I traveled to the islands, I traveled, did a lot of traveling. Um, Carmel, who owns Calzada Coffee, who's um, a fellow UW grad and a great friend of mine, connected me to just like the right people. And I just started seeing what Filipino food, you know, currently looks like, my childhood memories of Filipino food. And also addressing the fact that in Seattle and on Beacon, that used to have three restaurant spaces, there is nothing like zero Filipino yeah. and being like, this is unacceptable. Like <laughs> what the heck? Um, and so the story of how Musang, okay. So Musang is my father's nickname. Okay. Like when he immigrated to Seattle, like he was a pretty big personality. Like yeah. people knew who he was. And when I was a kid, my dad was the one who like took care of me. Mm -hmm. And everywhere we went, like the mall, the newbie, like he'd take me to Chinatown, like everyone would yell out Musang. And I'd be like, who, who is this? Like, what does that even <laughs> mean? Like, why does he, like, is he the mayor? Like, this is my dad. Like, okay. And, you know, as it unfolded, you know, wild, or Musang in Tagalog means wild cat. Mm -hmm. And him and his little group, he has a group of friends, Filipino friends. They all had nicknames for each other. But my dad was the one that was like the wildest out of all of them and that was when we just started started doing pop-ups it was like I need to honor the person that yeah. really gave me the education um, about Filipino food and culture uh -huh. and like holding on to that so when I was in the Philippines in Baguio um, on these coffee farms like in the middle of nowhere I went and saw a healer um, because working in this industry, like your back is just like yeah. all sorts of messed up everything. And <clears throat> she didn't speak Tagalog. She spoke dialect. And my friend was translating for me and she was like, you know, working and, and doing her thing. And I have an owl tattoo on my arm. And she looks over at Teresa and she's like, why does she have an owl? You know, and she's like, she should have a musang. <laughs> And I didn't understand what she heard, said, but I heard her say Musang, and I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> she just told me that, like, and it was just like this moment of like, this is a sign. Yeah. Like, how would she have known, you know? Um, That's so crazy. <laughs> and so, like, when I got back from 
from the Philippines, that's really when, like, which is two years ago, that's really when, like, New Song hit the ground running, doing brunches at, at Bar del Corso. Yeah. So what's it like creating all the menus? Like, a lot of R&D for you, or what? <laughs> um, I think my approach with food is a lot of, like, cooking from the heart. Yeah. It sounds super corny, but... Um, it's necessary for me to be able to just like create mm-hmm. um, and cook and pull from pull from somewhere, pull yeah. from like a childhood memory, pull from a story that my mother told me or my grandmother or yeah. or friends. You know, um, every menu that we've had up to date um, has been different, which yeah. it's important for me. Yes, it's research and development, but I think a huge um, kind of calling maybe is the word is like pushing Filipino culture and food mm-hmm. um, and to educate people yeah. that there's more to Filipino food than just lumpia, right. pancit, adobo. Like yeah. there is an array, like array of dishes and flavor profiles and just tastes that you've never tasted mm-hmm. that like people need to know about. Yeah. Um, See, I love that narrative. Because mm-hmm. every time, every time, whenever you do a pop up, everything's always different. And you're right; it's not those the people, the Filipino food that people are com that commonly know. Yeah. And so when you come out with different stuff, like when you came out with the a rose caldo, yeah, right, yeah, and kanji for me in yeah. Chinese, so it was just like, but you guys Filipinos do it so much different. Than the way Chinese do it. Yep. So when we had, when I had, I was just like, okay, I'm just like, like Chinese don't put pork belly in. The <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, this is really, this is pretty good. Yeah. I'm just like, this is different, but yeah. I like it. Yeah. Type of thing. So. Because it's a way to like, mm. also show the similarities, like mm-hmm. exactly that. Like last night, I made pork sinigang. I brought it to my friends um, over at East Trading Company, and Morgan, who works there. Like, his descent, he was just, like, he's mixed. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And he was, like, this just reminded me of my grandmother. Yeah. Like, making connections that way of yeah. food because that is how you create the experience. Right. Like, you talk about, I was having this intense conversation with my friend Paolo, who's a chef over at Adana, and he was, like, it's not what you cook, it's why you cook it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the journey has been for Musa. Yeah. Is like, yeah, we're cooking food, people are eating it, but like, what's yeah. the story? Do you know what I mean? Like, there was one dish that we did in the beginning, and it was a corn shrimp and bitter melon soup. And that's <laughs> not one that a lot, like, that's no. one that is like a low-key sleeper hit that yeah. many Filipinos don't even know about, <laughs> especially like Filipino-Americans. Mm-hmm. Like, and Chrissy of Happy Grow More, um, Seattle yeah. Freeze, that family, she came. She hadn't been to a pop-up. She came, and I think she was, like, skeptical. She, you know, <laughs> it's normal, too, for, like, it Filipinos is. to be a little bit skeptical because they're always like, my mom or my grandma did it better. <laughs> and she sat down, and she was like, I haven't had this dish since my grandma. Yeah. Like, grandma made it for me. And yeah. I was like, that's exactly why. That's exactly why we choose the dishes that we choose. Like the last pop up, like a lot of people hate mung bean soup, but it's like for me, it's like, well, try it this way. Yeah. You need to try it. Mm-hmm. Like you need to be able to like understand that it can be presented or eaten in a different way. Can you can you come over to my house and tell my five six year old five yes. and six year old nieces that yes. because they like. <laughs> Try it a different way. Yeah, for them. <laughs> I mean that's the thing because it's so. I mean, you know, even as kids, like there was dishes I, I loved as a kid, and now as an adult, I'm like, I can't believe I ate that. <laughs> but then now, being an adult, having a, a bigger and greater appreciation, yeah, of it. I love how, and I'm gonna bring it up because this thing resonated. I forgot what what was the talk with you at the tech talk that you yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. So it was for a Seattle startup. Tech Week. Mm-hmm. Um, is that uh, Stein and Koner, was it? Or was it? Yeah. Go, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in Piner, Co- yeah, in Piner in Square. Piner Square. And I think I was watching a story. And forgive me because I wasn't there. But yeah. You, someone recorded it and it still resonates. It says community, not competition. Mm-hmm. So 
that's that's I mean you just talking about like all their chefs and all their friends doing that and yeah. like I it's all about family and community and I think that's why your food is so good is that it's a lot of people it's accessible to a lot of people and it's not not saying that you can't do fancy, but it's just like, it's, I love comfort food mm-hmm. and you do Filipino comfort yes. food so well. It's so good. Thank you. That's why, I'm like, that's, why, that's why I remember my friend like text me and was like, hey, she's doing this again. I'm just like, I'm there. I'm, I'm coming. There. I'm coming. So, um, so what do you see Musang in the next few years? <sighs> that's a good question. If you were to ask me this a year ago, I would be like, whatever, Nelson, let me just have fun. Um, but the reality, I think, is um, brick and mortar. Brick and mortar. Yeah. yeah. Musang is going to be coming soon. Oh, I like it. So I'm excited. Yeah. Keep, I'll be in line. Yeah. Yep. Keep an eye out. Um, yep. I'll have my tent out perfect. the day before. <laughs> With my lawn chair and yes, everything. Yes, we'll give you and snacks be, as you guys wait outside. I'll be, the first, I'll be your first customer. Oh, so. thank you, Nelson. Um, any, any events coming up for yeah. Musang lately? Um, yeah. We have a huge event coming December 2nd and 3rd. Um, it's part of this uh, collaboration series called No Cookbooks Allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, we, it's me, myself, um, Guitar from Sugar Hill, Alan from Resident Media, and this is our third edition. Yeah, you've done, you've done No, no mm-hmm. Cookbooks Allowed before. Yeah. Yep, okay. um, but this one especially because I'm honoring my mother and my family, um, and we're going to do a two-day blowout, like, Kamayan boodle fight. Oh yeah, with my family in attendance, and the idea is to make you feel like you're back in the Philippines, eating all the foods, um, community tables. That um, sounds good. That one's happening, and then December 10th we're doing a huge community um, fundraiser at Maneki um, with Chef Shota from Madonna, mm-hmm. Yenbi from Sub Shop, and we've got like an all-star bartending cast. Yeah. Um, that so sounds I'm really good too. Excited about that one. You ever done a two day pop up before? I have not. Okay. I have not. So I'm really <laughs> curious and excited about how that's going to work. Um, I, I think with the holidays coming up around the corner, like yeah. it's going to be good. That sounds. It's, it's going to be good. good. It's going to be big. Um, but we're super excited. Yeah, I'm excited for you. Thank I'm you. Like, I know. <laughs> like, it's going to be good. Yeah. And the food, like. Once again, like there'll be classics that people will be familiar with, but mm-hmm. um, I think we're gonna pull out some some secret secret recipes for that. Awesome. Up, so, so a couple more questions. Yes, absolutely. Where, as a chef mm-hmm. in Seattle, where do you like where do you like to go eat, or where do where do you hang out with your other chefs after work and things like that? <laughs> I'm um, always curious to see yeah. where, where people where people go eat. You know, this community that's being built is really awesome. I think that uh, in Seattle, people are totally seeing that, like, our faces are coming up in each other's profiles mm-hmm. or, like, Instagrams or whatever. Um, I love Maneki. Okay. Um, that's, like, my go-to spot if I need to eat and be, like, fed comfort food. Yeah. Maneki. Like, Jean's been my, like, auntie for since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. She knows my dad. Um, in terms of, like going out and hanging out with my chef friends, um, Dynasty Room yeah. in the International District um, has been just the hangout. The just hangout. The hangout. Um, <laughs> East Trading Company, which is also owned by Iman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Capitol Hill needed that space. Yeah. And it's a great place for people to just like come kick it. Domingo, who's the chef there, is, he's Filipino and he's mm-hmm. kind of crushing the Filipino game. Um, where else? Food wise, oh, it's tough. My, my grandma's house. Yeah, <laughs> my grandma's house. Um, I love. Um, I also eat at Bar del Corso, is where I, like I where I work. Uh-huh. Um, which speaks, you know, mountains that I love. Even though I work there, I want to eat there on my day off. Um, Cam Hanin, who's one of my dearest friends. Um, is the chef at Maono, New Lag Toy, yeah. and Supreme, and his pizza is pretty fire. Yeah. So we find ourselves, if we're, like, if we're in West Seattle, that's usually where we'll go kick it. You ever get the fish collar at Maneki? Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's the bomb. Have you had the oyster miso Rockefeller? Yes. I've had that too before, too. Just a bowl of rice? Like, that's all I need in my life. 
That's all I need in my life. Um, yeah. Wow, those are some those are some all star hits. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are like the. See, I knew. That's why I asked staples. you. It's like I know a chef knows how to mm-hmm. eat. Just yeah, like, I know what good places. To that's eat. where we go. Like, if you want, like low key green leaf, their duck duck soup. Okay, is, is fire. Yeah, if you're feeling sick oh. or you need to get something. That's a lot of wrecks for our yeah. listeners. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go try awesome. these out. These Please are do. these are legit. Maybe you'll these find are you legit. there. <laughs> You might find Melissa there, and you can go up to her and then say hi, and then she'll just she'll 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 be a little bit stunned a little bit, but she'll, she'll I'll she's be really awkward, and then I'll give you a hug. All right, so we'll end it here. Where can we find Musang on social media? Yes, you can follow us on Instagram, Musang Seattle. Um, and on Facebook, and on Facebook. Seattle as well. Yeah, and all your events and upcoming events, you yep. can find it there. That, yeah, everything's Perfect. posted there. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Melissa. Thank you, Nelson. That was so much fun. Thank you for having me. I'm always me. a big fan. So Yay. Yeah. Oh, I'm a fan of you guys. So thank right. you. Thank you. <laughs> and that was our interview with Melissa Miranda. Don't forget, No Cooks, Books Allowed, Volume 3 is going to be December 3rd and 4th, which is Monday and Tuesday. Next week, Monica, we have a special show. We're going to do, do our regular format, but... It's going to be Monica's favorite things. So it's your holiday <laughs> gift buying guide. I'm excited. Are, are any, any cars? Are you going to give out any cars like Oprah or anything like that? No, there might be some fortune cookies. But that's about <laughs> all I can afford. <laughs> fortune, fortune cookies. Okay. All right. Ballers on a budget. I got you. I got yeah. you. All right. That being said, thank you so much for listening. Monica, where can we find, where can everybody find us on social media? Listeners can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Seattle Foodie Podcast and on Twitter at Seattle Food Pod. Guys, we love everyone listening, and I hope you're enjoying our shows. If you do, please leave a five-star review on our Apple Podcast or any other of your listening platforms so that'll boost us up into the ratings so it'll suggest our show to other. Thank you so much for listening, and happy eating, Seattle. Seattle.